Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, Rick Bennell joins us as he does every Tuesday to discuss some of the trade rumors that link the Charlotte Hornets. We also get a sham wow alert real time in the last segment and this. Say something about it. I dare you. Self-care. I look good. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We have a lot to get to today. Really have a lot to get to this week with the trade deadline coming up. And the Hornets have been linked in quite a few rumors. Who better to bring on like we do every single Tuesday than Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Again, you can find him on Twitter. Some of the articles that he's putting out um, via the Charlotte Observer. Some of the thoughts that he has about the trade rumors with the Hornets being linked to them. You can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, we really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, absolutely, Rick. So when you look at the trade rumors that the Hornets are surrounded in, right? Let's take a look first at the Knicks because I feel like that's the one that's gained the most traction given Ian Begley's report a while ago that New York had some interest in Malik Monk. Now it looks like the Hornets have inquired about possibly getting Julius Randle, who Mitch Kupchak did draft with the Los Angeles Lakers. What do you make of that trade rumor, Julius Randle to the Hornets and possibly a deal that involves Malik Monk? I thought that there was a little bit of traction going on there. Now, obviously, things got a little weird this morning um, when uh, Steve Mills was relieved of his authority um, over the Knicks. Um, I'm not saying that's a bad idea, but, you know, um, the Knicks making a major change in their front office three days before the trade deadline is so Nick-like, isn't it? I mean, (laughs) it's just so Jim Dolan. Um, and, and like I said, you know, changing leadership, yeah. But I really wonder now what's going on. I mean, technically, Scott Perry is um, in charge on an interim basis. But if you're another team and you give them a phone call, do you know whether the person at the other end of the phone actually has the authority to negotiate? Um, it's a weird thing. And it's a weird thing specific to the Knicks because they, you know, when they didn't get the free agents that they wanted last summer, they intentionally did a bunch of short-term deals to retain salary cap flexibility. So they now have all these expiring contracts, which means logically they want to get something for these guys if they can. And to not really know who's empowered um, in a time as, as important as the trade deadline. I mean, trade deadline isn't as important as July 1st, but it's a close second. Rick, so regarding specifically Julius Randle, you know, we've talked quite a bit about the possible redundancy of drafting Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington back to back. Does Julius Randle fit that same type of role to you? Would you have to get rid of one? And specifically, I would imagine it'd be Miles, given the way that P.J. has played. Uh, do you think that there's just kind of a logjam there at power forward slash maybe trying to squeeze a five out of any of those guys? When I was driving to the airport this morning on my way to Houston, I, I was listening to you and Molly talk about this on the radio. It 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 is odd. I mean, it really, really is. I um Julius Randall would help them, but you're absolutely right that you know they're collecting up a whole lot of people with the same body type. And the other thing that I think goes hand in hand with what you just asked me is if if one of the 
this team's biggest weaknesses is rim protection. Julius Randle isn't doing anything for you. I mean, a, yeah. a future that would be built around a front court of Julius Randle and, and P.J. Washington, while there are a lot of good things about both of those players, you're really not addressing which is what, what has been this team's most obvious fatal flaw, which is any kind of a, a ability to really defend people in the post. Uh, I want to ask one more question about the Knicks because I agree. I think it is the team that has had the most traction regarding any kind of Hornets trade. The other players that were mentioned within some of the trade discussions were Dennis Smith Jr. and Terry Rozier. Rick, were you surprised to see Terry Rozier's name linked to any trade with the Knicks? I think yeah, I think everybody needs to keep um, in mind this time of year, it's what you call spitball. Um, all kinds of people. You know, what I'm saying is if you're if you're a general manager, you're not really doing your job. Unless you're having very open-ended hypothetical conversations with all kinds of people. Unfortunately, you know, the way we have to cover this, where whenever something becomes public, it becomes like more important just because it's out there. Um, there's no sense of context to whether it was like, okay, well, you know, if if you're interested in X and I'm interested in Y, then let's talk about everybody else in your roster because sooner or later we're going to have to make a bunch of salaries match. Um, I do think that at some point over the three years of his contract, um, it's going to make perfect sense for um, um, for Terry Rozier to be made available. I am guessing that his trade value rises when there is only one seat guaranteed season left on that deal. Rick Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Sacramento Kings was also mentioned as a part of a piece that Zach Lowe wrote. He basically put together a whole lot of rumors that had been out there. And he mentioned that the Lakers and the Hornets were interested in Bogdan Bogdanovich. What do you make of that reference by Zach Lowe? It's kind of a weird situation because um, obviously the Kings have been very disappointed this year. They were supposed to be chasing a playoff spot. And they're not. And I would think that Vladi is getting to a point with ownership where he's got to start showing real traction. Um, Bogdanovich is going to be a, um, a restricted free agent. Heald has played very well out there. And they're probably just looking to get something for him. Um, but the fact that the Hornets would be interested in him, I think it reflects something that you and I have talked about several times, which is that while they have like five different guys, all who can play shooting guard, they don't have a shooting guard. They don't have anybody who you, you envision, um, both in terms of size and skill set, is going to be this team's starter at that position for a long time. Speaking of starters, I've got a new starter in my self care rotation. That's right, I've got a self care rotation, Walker. Say something about it. I dare you. Self care. I look good. Queen City Beauty Group. You know what they say, when you look good, you play good, and when you play good, they pay good. Look great with Queen City Beauty Group. They are a boutique spa in Charlotte with only custom services. That means every treatment is customized to the individual client's specific skin and condition. Owner-operator Nichelle Mosley is a 2018 and 2019 international award-winning esthetician. Nichelle specializes in treating diverse skin tones with life-changing results. They offer international award-winning treatments for acne, age management, hyperpigmentation, skin tags, milia, sagging skin, fine lines and wrinkles, rosacea, sun damage, and body contouring. 
Book a Valentine's Day special today for you or someone you love. Only $79. It includes a consultation and an amazing custom treatment with Nichelle Mosley at Queen City Beauty Group, a $50 gift certificate for a future visit, and a special gift from Queen City Beauty Group. That's a $215 value, all for $79. To book, go to www.queencitybeautygroup.com and book the Valentine's Day special, and make sure you type LOCKED ON in the comments section of the appointment form. Talking a lot about the trade rumors surrounding the Charlotte Hornets. Plenty more to get to regarding the Hornets as well, just the way that they've played on the court. We have Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with plenty more of Rick next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. That is so Stu God's form that you were about to make fun of people for their opinions of people changing their body and then mid making fun of other people doing that. You said, I will say this, though, the guy that I think his body changed. That's correct. Yeah, well, little, you're right. But little known fact about me, I have 2040 vision. So okay. um, that me I'm pretty sure. What, or is it 40, 20 vision? Whatever means that I have great like eagle eye vision. That's Eagle Eye Cherry, by the way. Great underrated band of the 90s. Save Tonight, one of my favorite songs. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Rick, we've seen James Borrego stick true to his word about playing a lot of the younger players this season while still holding them accountable. I think he's found a good balance in that regard, but it seems like the rotation has shortened up a little bit, and maybe it's a little bit more evident with P.J. Washington being out that the rotation has shortened up, but it seems also to be a harder pivot to youth. You know, what do you make of James Borrego shortening the rotation and throwing out the young guys a little bit more and getting them run. Um, and really what I would say, I don't know, the last uh, week, last couple weeks or so. Well, the two things that have happened since they got back from Paris are, um, uh, a, you know, Cody Martin is playing a lot more. He didn't play in the game against Milwaukee. And since then, I think he's averaging 22 minutes a game um, since the start of the Knicks game. Um, and the other thing is, he, they're giving Billy Hernan Gomez before his contract expires for the end of the season. I think they're giving him every reasonable chance to show that he belongs here for the long haul, whether or not that's true. Um, I think um, I asked JB after the game last night. I said, "Look, there's there are three games now um, of evidence." I said, "Is it clear that you are pushing harder toward youth?" than you were before. And he kind of hemmed and hawed. And I said, I'm asking you whether you are more committed than ever to playing the kids. And he acknowledged that, you know, that was the direction this is headed. And I think it has to be because what other purpose are you going to get out of March and April? But I think Cody Martin is a nice, really nice little find. And I think that he's going to be in the league in a long time. You talk to the, you talk to his teammates, his veteran teammates. Every one of them talks about how incredibly smart he is, how quickly he picks things up, how fast his brain works in real time, and the speed of the NBA game can be overwhelming for a rookie. He's a keeper to an extent that it is, you know, that you know, Dwayne Bacon went into this season as a conceivable starter, and he did start the first ten games. Cody Martin may be the second round pick who ends up being a starter at the wing as opposed to Dwayne. Cody's been really good. He needs more minutes yep. and, and he has been getting quite a few more minutes. And you're right about the second round picks here. Now, Dwayne Bacon, a holdover from Rich Cho, and maybe we, we thought could be 
the last parting gift from him as, of course, he would no longer spend time with the Charlotte Hornets. But now you look at the second rounds, Rick. I mean, we know that Mitch Kupchak had to draft later with the Los Angeles Lakers franchise because they kept on winning. When he had Kobe and Shaq, he had to try to find gems later in the draft. What do you make of the stark contrast in the way that Rich Cho handled the second rounders with this franchise to what Mitch Kupchak has done and the way he's been really successful at it from what I've seen? Um, Rich, and there's nothing wrong with this. It's not like other NBA teams don't do some similar things, but I think Rich saw second round picks often as more commodities, things, you know, ways to make other things happen, um, you know, move future seconds to other you know, to other teams to facilitate um, mid-season trades. That's that's the way the NBA works. But I do think if there is if there's one single impression I have of the 18 months that Mitch has been here, it's how seriously he is taking scouring um, picks outside of of the lottery, and he's done that very well. I mean, he had a he clearly had a real conviction about Devontae Graham when he traded two future seconds to get up to that 34 spot. And he took a guy, you know, four spots into the second round that now I'm assuming if the, if the, that draft were, were redone today, um, is Devontae Graham outside the top 15? I don't think so. No, it seems like a lottery pick, and it was an excellent decision for Mitch Kupchak to trade up for him, and Devontae Graham has certainly exceeded expectations. Rick, he also has had a really bad slump after the excellent Nets performance. Then he just hasn't been able to, I think, recreate what he was doing the first, I don't know, month, two months of the season. Oh, it, what do you attribute that to, Rick? It's, it's been a while now since I think Devontae gave us what he gave us the first couple of months of the year. Scouting's caught up, caught up to him. Um, teams do not want him beating them from three-point range, so they are doing anything they can to chase him off that line. And you know, I love basketball reference. I use it all the time. Um, I'm not a numbers-driven guy, but I often use their numbers to illustrate impressions. Um, Devontae's shooting percentage between the three-point line and the restricted area is not good at all, and you know, Kemba went through some similar kind of stuff where he realized that, you know, coming out of UConn, he was far from a, of a finished product and he needed to do some refinements. And fortunately, that's a really mature young man. He's, he's not going to be somebody who's going to be in denial about, about his weaknesses. He needs to spend next summer figuring out, you know, what to do in the mid-range. Um, his assists are good. Um you know, in the in the in-between area, but his shooting is not good at all. Before we get you out of here, I wanted to talk to you about that Zach Lowe article again. At the end of his piece, he mentioned that other guys to watch out of like a handful of guys that he mentioned, about four or five, two of them were Hornets. And he mentioned Marvin Williams as being someone to watch, which isn't a surprise. And he mentioned Balik Monk, and that's somebody we already have talked about. But Marvin Williams is interesting to me, Rick, because I know you wrote a piece about Marvin possibly even retiring at the end of this season. And I, I haven't heard any kind of rumors regarding Marvin Williams specifically. I, do you think that there's still a good chance um, that Marvin Williams gets traded at the deadline? Or you know, do you think there's a better chance that he does retire and hangs him up at the end of this year? Well, I don't know that I don't know whether it's an either or because I think at the end of the season, teams are going to see the leadership and the mentoring that he provides, and he's going to have 
a choice to continue playing if he wants to. I don't know whether he wants to. Um, the, uh, but you know, it was really interesting. Cliff was, um, Cliff obviously spent so many, so much time with Marvin and, and Marvin was so important to that 48 win season that I, I, I walked over to Cliff uh, morning shoot arounds and asked Steve, I said, if Marvin does retire, how will you remember his career? Steve said something off the top of his head that really hung with me. He said that Marvin's basketball intellect, particularly on defense as far as sniffing out what the other team is about to do, he compared to Shane Battier's. And let me tell you something. When somebody is compared to Shane Battier on a basketball IQ way, that's like somebody being compared to Monet as an artist. It was Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. Great stuff. You can find him on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thank you so much for the time. I know you're busy. We always appreciate it. Sure thing. Take care. Walker, before we get to this last segment, I've got big news from the Locked On Podcast Network. Are you ready? I couldn't be more ready. All right, listeners, listen up. You can win two tickets to see your favorite team in their home arena by guessing an NBA trade perfectly before it happens. We're calling it pre-bomb the Woj bomb. Here's how you win. Go to any of the Locked On NBA Net accounts on Twitter, at Locked On NBA Net, Facebook, or Instagram, and post the trade that you think will happen. Can be with any team. You just got to pre-bomb the Woj bomb. Tag five people with your trade in your post, and if you pre-bomb the Woj bomb, then you have a chance to win two tickets to see your favorite team play in their home arena. Trades will be evaluated based on players and picks, not cash. If multiple people win, the first person with the correct trade is the winner. One winner will be chosen across all Locked On social accounts. And if no one guesses the exact trade, the winner will be the one closest to the pin. little golf analogy in Mm. your NBA trade game. I like that. I like cross-sport analogies. All right, pre-bomb the Woj bomb. home run. (laughs) Hit a home run with the pre-bomb the Woj bomb. Go now, pre-bomb the Woj with your trade deadline trade at Locked On NBA Net. All right, we'll have one more segment here to go today on the Locked On Hornets podcast, all a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Develop winning habits. You know what winning habits are? Scoring things in the box score. That's what winning habits are. You compete. Rebounds, when you, assists. Yeah, when you compete, points. you get rebounds. When you compete, you get assists. When you compete, you score points. It's not you about effort. The it's about competing. <laughs> Hey, you wanted me back on the show, baby. I got you, Doug. You wanted me back on the show. This is me. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I'm finally competing in the 4Bs challenge. I almost was able to give a clean sweep to old Dougie last night. Very close. In fact, if it wasn't for me correcting a counting error by Doug, then I would have had a sweep, but I couldn't do it. Too much of a man of integrity. And so I had to tell him, no, you miscounted. You actually did get the high score. Devontae Graham ended up falling one point short of Malik Monk. Doug had Malik Monk as his guest to get the high score. Devontae Graham was my guest. I had Marvin as the low man, and he actually won last night. So we split another game. I believe that's three contests in a row that we split, Doug. Yeah, too many turnovers for Devontae Graham, who did have a good shooting night in a really, really good second half. <laughs> He after was like a bad the, first half, right? After a bad no. first half, and he was really the only Hornet with a good offensive second half. Uh, Malik Monk, on the other hand, did get some rebounds, had a few assists, not too many turnovers, but he was also part of a bench unit uh, that got absolutely smoked 
by the Magic in that third quarter, really a deciding third quarter. Yeah, so Devontae didn't have enough rebounds either. I think Malik out-rebounded him by four. That really hurt me as well. So we'll play the 4Bs challenge at the end of today's show. I wanted to mention a couple of things about that Rick Bennell interview, though. Um, one th- basically kind of tied in together. He talked about Mitch Kupchak and really having an eye for talent late in the draft, in the second round. He also talked about the conviction that Mitch Kupchak had in wanting Devontae Graham, at least enough to trade up for him, Doug. You know, you start to think about it. That's cool to me. Like, I like that Mitch Kupchak is good at drafting second rounders, and it's not sexy. doesn't mean that you're drafting absolute stars, even though Devontae kind of has this thinking, okay, yeah. is this a potential all-star it's here? It's sexier now. It, it is. You know, Devontae absolutely has become sexy. He, he's Devon- like he's like a good pair of jeans that then you turn into cutoff jeans. All yeah. of a sudden, now you're sexy. Oh, cut he's showing some jeans. knee right now uh, through that denim, and I'm here for it. So Devontae jorts. might be the only guy that Devontae can pull Graham off is the, the jorts. jorts of the NBA. You know, I feel like Cody Martin's at least rolling up his jeans. And he hadn't cut him off to jorts, but he's starting to show some ankle a little bit. They're not all the way down. They're certainly not high waters, Doug. You have a second-round pick in Cody Martin. You have a second-round pick in Devontae Graham that has looked good. Um, this is something we talked about when they hired Mitch, that he had to try to find talent because they were winning championships in L.A., He tried to find talent later in the NBA draft. And we mentioned some of the players that he was able to find that stayed with that franchise for quite a bit. I just think that's really cool. And I think also it's extremely necessary for a smaller market team like Charlotte to be able to home grow some of their guys, especially with their emphasis on the G League. I just I I like the process. I I don't know if it's always going to work, but I even think Mitch Kupchak acknowledges that, hey, if we can get one or two out of these guys like he's realistic and I like the realistic expectations of this process that seems to be working out right now for what it is. Baby Yoda in some jorts. What do you think about I that? I would take that. That's oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you, it makes him even cuter, Baby Yoda in some jorts. Uh, I agree with you, sexy Walker. I think that it's, it's always, it, yeah, you're right. It's not sexy, the whole second round conversation. It's something that a majority of fans are not going to care about, but those are the kind of things that you want your front office caring about i mean just look at the new york knicks they're always trying to do the sexy thing right up front they're always i mean they're and they're going to do it again by the way they're going to go after Masai, and they're going to have to give up something crazy in order to get Masai to join Masai ujiri the the toronto raptors you know uh, new wonderkin wonder boy and um they're gonna have to do something crazy to get him as part of the organization that's the sexy up front thing that ends up killing you long term mitch kupchak is interested in doing the things that nobody cares about and and takes a chance like he, t- he you, when you when you do something like trade up for a player like Devonte Graham, you know we'd be killing him for that if Devonte Graham d- never turned out into anything. And so uh, he takes chances. He, he seems like he has a good eye for talent, and I think it's going to benefit the Charlotte Hornets in the long run. And we haven't even talked about the other acquisition, the other Martin twin, Caleb Martin, who is turning heads in Greensboro right now, and I think. Uh, we'll start to turn heads in the NBA next season when there are a few more roster spots open for him to take advantage of. To give Mitch a little bit more credit, it's not like Cody Martin was an expected second round pick anyway. A lot of people thought that guy might go undrafted, Doug. I I remember not liking it. I wasn't a fan. I wanted to get somebody else. And it seems like Cody, I mean, he really has rapidly improved, Doug. We've gone from Cody shaking anytime he had the basketball in his hands to finally shooting contested three-pointers like he did last night against the Magic. That's different. 
that's getting yeah. a career high 13 points. It's been really cool to see how rapidly he has improved this season. Oh, definitely. I mean, he was offensively, he was a problem for this for this team. I mean, when he had the ball in his hands, he just didn't look like he had any idea uh, what to do with it. And that's not the case anymore. He looks more in control. He looks like the time that he spent in Greensboro and here in Charlotte, he is benefiting from it greatly. And uh, that's only a positive thing for the Charlotte Hornets long term. I asked you yesterday whether it was time to have a conversation about Devontae Graham to the point where we were concerned. Rick Bennell talked about defenses adjusting. We already know that defenses are adjusting. But then Rick discussed how he needs to make uh, or create a counter move this offseason. Compared to Nikemba a little bit, what did you make of those comments? Yeah, when we say defenses are adjusting, what I'm seeing more and more are the, the opposing team matching up a bigger guard onto Devontae Graham, even if it means a smaller guard on Terry Rozier and giving up that aspect of the Hornets offense. All right, Terry, you can drive on this guy. You can pull up mid-range. We're going to give you that. But we're going to put the bigger guard on Devontae Graham, and we're going to aggressively attack these screens. Maybe we blitz, but the guard that's guarding Devontae Graham always going over the top and, and disrupting what Graham wants to do. Kimba found some ways, some very subtle ways, to figure that out. So, you know, when we talk about counter moves, Devontae Graham has to figure that out. But also there's one particular play against San Antonio that I want to point out, and I think it shows where Devontae has to grow to get to where Kemba was when he was at his peak here in Charlotte. And that play happened in the second quarter, about 10 minutes left in the second quarter. Hornets were up 34-33. Devontae Graham takes a screen from Billy Hernan Gomez. Billy rolls to the basket. Devontae drives because Jakob Pertl, well, first, I think DeRozan went over the screen, attacking Graham high, not allowing him to get a three-point shot off. Jakob Pertl drops into coverage, drops into the lane. Devontae Graham, instead of attacking Pertl in the lane and putting his body on his body and trying to pick up some contact and finish through that, launches way too early and does this very, like, soft finger roll, and Jakob Pertl just smacks it into the fourth row. And so that's a play, like I remember Kimba would make a living off of just getting that off shoulder into Jakob Pertl and finishing uh, with the left hand. And so that's where we have to see Devontae Graham get to. I'm not sure that happens in season. That has to happen in the offseason. Doug, I have two things. One, there's some breaking news from Sham Sharania regarding the Charlotte Hornets. Oh! I don't want you to look. Look at the camera. This better be real. Don't do this to me again. Don't it, come with some weak news. Real time, 124 is when the news broke. We're okay. talking about this at 131. Finally, right now. doing so this show late benefits time. us. So, Sham Sharani comes out with breaking news. I have one question for you, real quickly. I know we have the Woj bomb. Um, can we go with Sham's mine instead of landmine? Can we go Sham's mine if there's already a Woj bomb? Does Sham, that work? ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, thank you. So, the breaking news comes in <laughs> Hornets guard Devontae Graham. We'll participate in the NBA three-point shootout at All-Star Weekend. Woo! Sham's mine, baby. You did it to me again. You did it to me. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, that's awesome. I'm happy for Devontae Graham, but you did it. You can't do this around the trade deadline, Walker. If you say you've got a sham-bam thank you, ma'am, or you got a Woj bomb, it better be about a trade around the trade deadline. This is the problem with the trade deadline coming before the All-Star break is that you get these kind of news and your alert goes off on your phone and you're ready. You're ready for a for a shift in your team's dynamics and then all of a sudden okay he's in the three-point shooting contest great sharania mania sham's mine i like that better i like sharania mania 
Miles Bridges, the former first-round pick for the Hornets, has been playing well, Doug. And this is somebody that we had ridiculed quite a bit this season. I think it was warranted. I don't think he'd been playing very well. But the last four games, he would beg to dicker. Uh, oh, God <laughs> almighty. <laughs> Buddy. Beg to what? Is that what we have to, is that what we have to bleep? <laughs> Do we have to bleep that? Do you get these out on the podcast so that they don't happen on the radio? That's kind of crazy because it is a little bit here. weird. I don't know why I said that. That's weird. God, I wonder what's on my mind. So the last shot, four games shot, for <laughs> Man, that was unfortunate. Last four games for Miles Bridges. I don't even know how you recover from that. Five for 15 against Orlando. 10 of 19 against San Antonio. 8 of 17 against Washington. 6 of 10 against the New York Knicks, Doug. When you look at what Miles Bridges has given you, again, somebody that we have gone against quite a bit, what do you make of the performance that he had? What do you? Why do you think he's been playing so much better? I mean, I, he's been more aggressive, and you have to wonder, well, P.J. Washington's been out. Is this a thing where, you know, we speculated th- about this at the beginning of the year when we knew P.J. would start? I mean, the, the first question that comes to mind is, would these two players get in each other's way? P.J. Washington has played well. Miles hasn't. P.J.'s out. Miles plays well. I don't think that's you – know, we'll have to see what happens when P.J. comes back and, and see if Miles can still get that kind of aggression, still get the ball in his hands as much, and, and do good things. But, yeah, I mean, obviously he's rebounding the basketball. I mean, that's the big thing. And, and, and I think that is more of a product of P.J. Washington being out – uh, more than anything, and you saw they started Dwayne Bacon, so Miles shifts down. There's some advantages when Miles shifts down to the power forward position, offensively, defensively. It hurts you a little bit, but the extra rebounding they've certainly needed. They had, they actually did out rebound the Orlando Magic, even though they lost the game. And so, I, you know, I think that's a huge credit to Miles, and I hope that it continues even when PJ Washington returns to the lineup. Michael Dickerson is who I was going to mention. Grizzlies in the news a little bit. Yeah, Michael Dickerson. Oh, okay, yeah. Man, Michael Dickerson, a name I haven't thought of in a while. Guy that scored like 20 points per game for the Vancouver Grizzlies when they were awful. 18.2. What? They have a little little stretch? uh, So rookie year played for Houston in 98-99, 10.9 points per game. Then 18.2 his sophomore year, first year with Vancouver. 16.3, 10.8, 16.3, 10.8, and 0.102, and then he finished his career last year of his uh, last year of his career, 4.8. Doug, I think we found a guy with a little stretch. Michael Dickerson. All right, it's time you for the four beast challenge, Doug. Um, it's it continues to be my first pick. I ask that every single time. That's yeah, correct. Houston Three weeks Rockets in a row, game one tonight. One. No, PJ Washington, I believe, is questionable as of this recording. Can't go with P.J. Washington. If he did play, then um, I couldn't expect him to give us the high. I think for the Houston Rockets game, the high I'm going to go with, give me Terry Rozier. You got Rozier. I'm going to take Bridges for my high and my low. Uh, yeah, I'm going to steal answer. Marvin I feel like that's the guy to go with right now. I think he. Marvin might be an insta win with the way that he's playing. They don't really ask him to shoot a whole lot. Marvin might be the insta win. And after just giving so much love to Cody, I might want to take I, I might need to go with him to the low, even though offensively, man, he's been putting some good. He's getting a ton of minutes right now. 28 minutes against the Magic, six of six from the field for 13 points, eight rebounds, three assists. I mean, he might I don't know who the and three steals. I don't know who the actual high was, but I bet I think there's gonna Martin be a lot of rebounds in this game because the Houston Rockets take so many shots, and Billy Hernan Gomez is getting a lot of run. 
So I don't. And Billy's a good rebounder, great offensive rebounder. So I don't. I don't want to take Billy. I'm. I'm taking Cody Martin, Doug. Doing it. Cody Martin's gonna be my low man. I feel like that's the guy I got to go with. All there right. Thanks for listening to us on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Boy, thanks to Rick Bennell for joining us with a lot of stuff to talk about. We'll recap the Houston Rockets game. Maybe talk about some more trade rumors tomorrow on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. <laughs>